The Supreme Court rules in favor of indoor services for houses of worship, but there's a catch. David Savage from the Los Angeles Times brings us the details. I'm Lawrence Clutty, and this is Legal Talk Today. All right. Welcome back, everybody. So glad to be here with you. Our show today is about the continuing battle between our religious freedom in the United States versus pandemic-related government shutdowns. But before we get to all that, we need to thank our sponsor, Noda. Noda is powered by M&T Bank because you went to law school to be a lawyer, not an accountant. Take advantage of Noda, a no-cost IOLTA management tool that helps solo and small law firms track client funds down to the penny. Visit trustnoda.com forward slash legal to learn more. That's Noda spelled N-O-T-A. Terms and conditions may apply. Okay, let's get to it. I want to welcome our guest, David Savage. He's a staff writer from the Los Angeles Times. Welcome to the show. Hi, Lawrence. Good to be with you. Thank you for joining us. I really appreciate your time today. You know, we've got a, another one of these uh, religious freedom cases that that have come up. And, uh, you know, David, over the course of uh, last year into this year, this particular show has covered a lot of COVID-19 related uh, regulations. And, you know, we've talked about uh, governor, um, emergency powers and things like that. But we did do a show very similar to this one. It was a case that was actually mentioned in this one that we're going to talk about today. Now, that one was called Roman Catholic Diocese of Brooklyn, New York versus Andrew M. Cuomo, governor of New York. And so very similar to the one we're talking about today, which is South Bay Pentecostal Church versus Newsom. And uh, with the New York case, they called out New York, and this was a little bit ago, they called out New York uh, for the limitations on attendance and occupancy in the church because they were treating churches, houses of worship different than they were treating businesses. And this this case we're talking about today, David, very, very similar. It actually came up in that same kind of grouping of cases, but originally it wasn't picked up by the Supreme Court. So what I want to do, David, is start with this. If you could help us out with the facts and the parties, tell us what happened in this case. Okay, well, the the South Bay Pentecostal Church is a very active church, South San Diego. They believe, and and as many churches do, that it's very important to gather on Sunday morning for people to be in church on Sunday and worship together. And that group has been fighting the California regulations since essentially since last March when they went into effect. And as you suggested, Lawrence, there's been several iterations of this. This case has actually came up to the court in May, South Bay versus Governor Newsom. They were challenging the state's regulations, which I should say, they're sort of a moving target. In March or April, the California regulations didn't allow any indoor worship services. Then just before the Supreme Court got to act on the appeal, Governor Newsom lifted that regulation and said, you can have up to 25% capacity. So they went from a no worship service to a limit. At that time, the Supreme Court five to four vote rejected the appeal. And John Roberts, the chief justice, sort of cast the the key vote with the four liberals who then included Justice Ruth Ginsburg and basically said, we're going to defer to state and local officials. You know, the pandemic is a very difficult thing. We're not going to get into the business of second guessing the governor and people trying to protect the public in this emergency. The four conservatives dissented and said, this looks like a violation of the free exercise of religion. So that's late May. The court essentially upholds California regulations. As you said, then in November, just before Thanksgiving, 
the court invalidated or struck down part of the New York regulation that said no more than 25 people in a church or a synagogue in a few areas in Brooklyn where the virus was spreading very rapidly. We were all interested in that because it also reflected a big change within the court. As you know, Justice Ginsburg died in September. She was replaced by Amy Coney Barrett, and there were five conservative votes to knock down part of Governor Cuomo's restrictions in that New York case. So now fast forward, the South Bay case comes back again to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court had basically said, reconsider this under the New York order. And essentially the federal judges in in California, uh, there were two different cases, I should say, two different church groups, but essentially ruled for the state again and said, yes, this restriction on indoor church services is reasonable uh, for a couple reasons. The virus was spiking in California. They were very reluctant to lift the orders. They agreed, the judges then agreed with the uh, state that if you get 100 people or 200 people packed into a church for an hour, that's a good formula for spreading the virus. So they upheld the restriction. It came back to the Supreme Court. And then Friday night, about 11 o'clock, the Supreme Court tends to do these things very late on Friday nights for some reason. There was a six to three vote to lift the California limit and say, yes, churches may open. They may have worship services indoors on Sundays. However, we agree with the state that you can limit it to about 25% capacity of the building and people need to wear masks and that sort of thing. But essentially they, they allowed churches around California to go back to having regular Sunday morning worship services. This was about their application for injunctive relief. And I think, you know, I want to get your opinion on this. You know, I think that was the real rub was that even after the New York case that provided some guidance in this area, the federal courts in California decided to, you know, double down. And so I think that that provoked the Supreme Court into making a decision. But you said they granted this sort of limited relief here. So 25 percent capacity, but there's also a restriction on singing. Is that right? Yes, that's right. One of the state restrictions was no singing and chanting because everybody sort of acknowledges that it's an airborne virus. If people are singing and chanting in close quarters, that's a good way to spread the virus. So the Supreme Court said, this was, a bit, by the way, another interesting split within the Supreme Court. It was sort of a 3-3-3 split. The three most conservative justices, Justices Gorsuch, Thomas, and Alito would have, I think, been inclined to knock down all the restrictions, including the singing and chanting. The three in the middle, Chief Justice Roberts, Amy Coney Barrett, and Brett Kavanaugh said, we vote to uh, allow the worship services, but we are not going to knock down the singing and chanting restriction. Amy Barrett wrote a short concurring opinion and said that there's not been a very good argument as to why Uh, This is invalid and goes too far. Then you had the three liberal justices, uh, Elena Kagan, Justice Breyer, and Sotomayor. They would have upheld the restrictions again. So it was essentially a 3-3 split on what to do. 
Yeah, and as I understand it, they left that door open so that if the church could show that uh, you know they were being singled out against these secular businesses, you know, say like Hollywood, you know, having a bunch of choruses up there singing together, and that's not being restricted, then they could bring up a case against that. And but they didn't have enough information to go on, so they they stopped short there. I want to transition into some of the reasoning that the justices laid out. You mentioned it was kind of a, a three-three-three, and it's true. You know, they uh, the concurring opinion didn't totally agree. So let's talk about those concurring justices, of course, the ones that agree with the decision. Walk us through some of their reasoning. Well, John Roberts wrote, I I thought, an interesting short opinion. He said back in May, I took the position that I just alluded to, that we should um, generally defer to uh, state officials in an emergency. I'm not inclined to sort of second guess or have judges second guessing emergency restrictions. However, he said, Deference can only go so far. And he said, California's present determination is that the proper number of people who can be in a large cathedral is zero. That, that's too far. And he said, you know, deference has its limits. So he was sort of explaining, even though I was inclined to defer in these issues, that California has pressed it too far by insisting on no indoor worship services. Amy Barrett, in her concurring opinion, said she agreed basically with Neil Gorsuch, who'd written a very strong opinion on uh, the free exercise of religion. But as I mentioned earlier, she also went on to say, Brett Kavanaugh agreed with her, that the plaintiffs really hadn't made a good argument as to why the singing ban was uh, should be avoided. And she said she wasn't convinced. As you said, Lawrence, she they sort of left open the possibility that if you can show us that in Hollywood and a lot of other places are allowed to have indoor singing, but not churches, that would be discriminatory and we wouldn't allow that. But she said, I haven't seen that evidence yet. Yeah. What did you make of Justice Gorsuch's analysis there? I mean, he he really got into specifics. He talked about crowds. Uh, he talked about close proximity, outside versus inside, and basically highlighted, you know, you don't require all these businesses at the mall to take all their goods outside and sell them outside. You know, you're treating the churches differently. But he really got into specifics. What did you think about his analysis? Well, it's what I think about Gorsuch generally, which is that he is a very smart, very good writer, in my view. And he takes on one of these issues and writes pretty strong opinions, and they are very quotable. His opinion in the um, New York case from the Thanksgiving period is the one that everyone quotes. And and yes, he's very good about making the argument that California seems to think hair salons and pet grooming businesses and cannabis dispensaries, all these businesses can stay open, have people there. And, you know, why is it okay for hair salons to operate and and people doing fingernails and whatnot, that that kind of contact is okay, but any contact, people gathering in a church is not okay, even if it's only 20 people. And so he makes very pointed comparisons that are easy to understand and very clear. And his overriding view is, as he said at the beginning, is that California through its regulations, has allowed a lot of businesses, retail businesses, big box stores, small stores like hair salons, factories, you know, meat processing plants, to remain open with lots of people there for many hours. And all that's okay because it's sort of essential, but churches, no. And he basically says, if you look at the comparisons, it sure looks like, to me, like they're singling out 
religion, churches for harsh treatment, and that's unconstitutional. I think the most convincing part of his argument, he's, he's, he was talking about, you know, the churches were not given the option to, you know, require some face shielding. And I, I know about churches, how they've operated in other states. You know, they'll have a mask requirement. They'll sit people so many feet apart and they're doing their best to maintain social distances. And so I think the most convincing part of that to me was that because the churches weren't given that option, you know, they really were singled out, whereas other businesses were given that option. So I want to transition over to the dissenting opinions that were uh, made available there. What, what did you think of those? What was the analysis there? Well, Elena Kagan, by the way, is the Ninth Circuit Justice. So this appeal would have initially gone to her. She and her clerks probably studied it the most and surely wrote something to say that we should not grant this. So she wrote a very strong, it's basically the argument that both she and John Roberts agreed to in the spring, which is we're not scientists, we're not experts on the pandemic, and we should be very wary of telling the state what regulations they can and cannot enforce during a, you know, an emergency like this. And that she just thought that the state had a reasonable view, which was the pandemic is spiking. This is the time we can't allow people to gather for an hour at a time in close proximity. That's a great way to spread the virus. That's what the state says. And we uh, judges, she she ended with a, a fairly sharp set of observations that you know we we are in our marble temple here and um, safe from the impact of the virus, but we're now telling the state of California that it can't enforce regulations that its officials think are really necessary to slow down or stop the spread of the pandemic. And she she basically said this: we're making a big mistake. Yeah, I thought this part of the analysis was the most unconvincing from my point of view because the Supreme Court regularly weighs in on issues that it doesn't have deep-seated expertise in. You know, it takes it from the legal perspective or a policy perspective, and it doesn't have to be the expert in a given business or a given technology to make a decision about it. So for me, that one didn't carry a lot of water. But I want to get to this last question for you, David. This is the loaded question, and I'll jump in on it too so you won't be out there all by yourself. So, you know, just in your opinion, you know, based on the facts, your walk of life, do you think the Supreme Court got this case right? Why or why not? I think the decision was reasonable for a number of reasons, one of which is they said this back in uh, November, as, as we discussed in the New York case. They basically said there are five or six of us who are going to um, be skeptical of a state's regulations that are more strict on churches than they are on all manner of other businesses. And that seemed to be California, the Beckett Fund filed a brief in this case and said, California has the strictest regulations in the country regarding churches and worship service. It's the only state that prohibited entirely indoor worship services. Most states put some limits on them, and that's fine. And so I thought it was quite reasonable for the Supreme Court to say, look, we put you on notice that this seems, a total ban seems a little bit extreme, and you've insisted on the total ban. And so I'm not, it strikes me as it, it is at least a reasonable application of the notion of the free exercise of religion that, that includes a right to uh, have a Sunday morning gather at a worship service. 
And for my part, you know, I wear many hats, David, on this show. And sometimes I talk about my lawyer hat. Sometimes I talk about my policy hat, my taxpayer hat, my citizen hat. And so I think for this one, I want to put on my citizen hat and, you know, I want to put on my policy hat. And so to me, uh, this case didn't go far enough in terms of protecting uh, First Amendment rights. And so for me, you know, we are the land of the self-governed and especially during times of crisis, you know, COVID-19, obviously a very serious crisis in our country. Yeah, I think it's very important to maintain those options to gather uh, peaceably so as guaranteed in the First Amendment. And, you know, people go to their houses of worship for comfort. They go there for counsel. They go there to talk. And I just think that, you know, in a, in a world where we're not banning protests, you know, it makes sense to have some place where people can peaceably assemble to talk about policy, to talk about the things that trouble them. And I just think that that's so very important when we're going through tough times to have people gather together and discuss what's going on. And so I'll leave it there, David. But, you know, I I really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you so much for joining us. Good to be with you, Lawrence. And if our listeners want to read more of your work, where can they find you? Well, latimes.com is the uh, website. So that's the place to go. And once again, thank you listeners for tuning in. Without you, there's no show and that's no fun. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. They might even thank you for it. One more shout out to our sponsor, Noda, for making this program possible. You can find them at trustnoda.com forward slash legal. That's Noda spelled N-O-T-A. And lastly, but never, never leastly, thank you to our team, producer Molly McDonough and our LTN audio crew for their continued efforts in the arts of Groovy. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you.